If you have your Bibles, you can be opening to Luke chapter 15 today. And uh, as we think about God's grace in our lives, um, I want to just quote Dallas Willard, who said, Grace is God acting in your life to accomplish what you can't on your own. See, the joy that we're after, that we're going to talk about today, is a joy that you can't find on your own. You, you can't manufacture it. You can't make it up. Uh, there can't be a bit of good luck today that could bring it upon you. You could walk out the door, and a $100 bill could blow in the wind and slap you in the face, and you would be happy, right? Later on today, you could watch the football game, and the Chiefs, who I've been rooting for for 44 years and have not made it to the Super Bowl in those 44 years, have a chance to get there today. If they won, I would be joyful, but really not according to the biblical word. I would be happy because joy has something deeper than something that's just, you know, happy for a little bit. You know, yay, we're happy. They made the Super Bowl. Oh, we're bummed. They got thumped 25 to zero. You know, so like when you root for sports, you have joy, but you realize it's not the same kind of joy the Bible's talking about. It's, it's something deeper. In fact, I love uh, what a preacher and writer named Thabiti Anyabeli uh, writes. He says this, For this joy is not light, happy-clappy, back-slappy silliness, all jokes and no substance. This is a blood-bought joy. It's not that kind of joy that wears a mask of fakery and pretend happiness. It's not temporary, momentary, fleeting, or easily crushed by hardship in this life. It's full joy. This is the kind of joy the Bible describes. So that's the kind of joy we're seeking. It's the only kind of joy that can come from God, deeper than the joy and happiness we can try to experience on our own or good fortune or good things happen to us in life. That joy and happiness is great. God wants to give us something even deeper. And so the, the big question I want to ask today and tackle today is just this, this question. What gives God joy? Because if we can find the, the answer to that, then we'll find the answer to the question, what gives us joy? Because God created us in his image. And so if we can find out what brings God joy, we can find out what also brings us joy. So Luke chapter 15, verse 1, is where we want to begin. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Okay, if you were here last week, this sounds familiar. We were in another text last week where a similar thing happens. Jesus is hanging out with the people that society rejected as sinners, as the unclean, the untouchables, the people that the religious type should reject and stay away from. And Jesus keeps having dinner with them. He keeps hanging out with them. And so the religious types are criticizing him. We read a quote last week from Greg Boyd that says, do you want to know if you're like Jesus? Do the tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners of your day want to hang out with you? Or do they feel rejected by you? It's a great question for the church to be asking. And so Jesus is unconcerned or at least undeterred with the criticism he's receiving for hanging out with the folks that, that 
that society was rejecting and was saying, well, at least the, the religious people were saying, man, stay away from them. They're too bad. They have opposite opinions and opposite politics and opposite lifestyles and all this stuff. Stay away from them. And Jesus is like, that's who I'm going to have dinner with. I'm hanging out with them. Okay, and then he tells them this parable where we find out real clearly in Scripture what brings God joy. Verse 3 of Luke 15. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Did you get that word? Joyfully. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Sheep's, sheep were like pets. They, they actually, most of them had names. They, they weren't just like, you know, you had like a thousand cattle and it was just completely farming. People actually got kind of attached to their sheep, you know, kind of like you get attached to your dogs or your cats or whatever. Give the sheep a name, but here's the one thing that we know about sheep for sure. They're not very smart. <laughs> in fact, maybe some of you saw this news story uh, a while back. In Turkey, uh, shepherds reported that one sheep ran off a cliff, 45-foot drop. And you know what the rest of the sheep did? They all started going, and the shepherds were too late. They couldn't get in front of them, and one after another just kept running off this cliff, and it ended up that 400 sheep died, and 1,100 of them survived because they bounced off the soft, dead sheep below them. I know, it's a terrible story. So when you're trying to count sheep tonight, just think about sheep plummeting to their death. Good luck. <laughs> that, that's not what you're supposed to think about when you sleep. But the shepherds were horrified, and it was just one sheep. They don't know why, but for some reason it went off, and then the others were too stupid uh, to look around and realize what was happening. They just followed them all right off, and it devastated that town's economy and lots of families uh, because sheep can be pretty stupid. And because sheep can be stupid, here's the next truth. Sheep need a shepherd, a shepherd who's paying attention, a shepherd who's always watching, a shepherd who can direct them and take care of them and look after them. And so when Jesus tells this parable, says there's a, you know, imagine you're out there with your sheep and the, and the people he's telling this parable to are like, oh yeah, I can, I can imagine that because some of them probably were shepherds. All of them had seen shepherds, you know, as they're walking to and from. They see the shepherds. It's not like a foreign thing of some, like, urban culture that where we've never seen a sheep in our lives. No, they, they've experienced this, and so they're like, yeah, I can imagine being out there with 100 sheep. And I've definitely heard stories about, you know, one of them walking away and getting lost, and so they're right with Jesus in this parable. And Jesus says, imagine that one of them walks away, and now there is a little bit of a dilemma. What do I do? Do I chase the one, or do I just, I'm like, well, you know, 99%'s not bad. When I used to, you know, bring kids home from youth group trips, I'd be like, I couldn't get home and be like, well, I brought home 99% of them. <laughs> They're junior hires, what'd you expect? One of them's gonna walk off. <laughs> no, the, and the shepherd, 
is like, I gotta go after that one. And we probably shouldn't read more into the parable than there. There's a point to Jesus' parables. And the point of it is not that Jesus can't stand the 99, doesn't care about them, and could care less. I imagine the shepherd is going to leave, would have a plan for the 99, would get them somehow, you know, hey, helpers, you watch out for them, or they're in a place. It, it, don't think too much about it there. Jesus is trying to tell an important story of saying, the shepherd chases the one who's lost. The one who's lost matters to God. The shepherd, I don't know if he knows where the lost one went. Maybe it's the last place. Maybe it's where the stream is. Maybe it's where the grass is a little thicker. But the shepherd goes out looking for the sheep. And the text says when he finds the sheep, he's so happy, he, he doesn't go and like give it a spanking for walking away. He, he puts it on his shoulders. He's so happy. And he says he's, he's full of joy. And he walks back and carries the sheep back. He's so happy. And, and that's the joy of God, that when one person is found, the joy of God way overcomes God's sadness or disappointment in the rebellion of the one who walked away to begin with. His joy outweighs the disappointment or the sadness. And when you have walked away from God, the greatest joy in heaven is when you've said, I'll come home with my shepherd. Many of you have lived years and decades in rebellion away from your shepherd, and you understand the joy of being returned. Some of you have close family and friends and kids and parents and siblings, and they're the one away right now. And your greatest prayer is that the one would be found. Because the one is not some nameless, it's, it hasn't, the person has a name. You know the name. You care for the name. God knows who it is, and God cares. When preachers write sermons, when we, we're told that we always need to have a dominant thought, like you could package, take your whole sermon, and put it down into one sentence, and I always try to do that. I don't always mention it like this, but I want to mention it today because I think it's such a big deal. Here, here's my sermon in one sentence. If we want to experience the greatest joy in heaven, we will help rescue the lost. I mean, the, the Bible talks about God a lot, but this is the most clear passage about the question, what brings God joy? This is it, Luke 15. It is so clear. What brings God joy is when the lost are found. Now, does that mean that you don't bring God any joy if you're already following him? No, but God says, it brings me so much joy when the lost are found. In the next parable that we're not going to get into today, uh, we, we, Jesus tells a parable where uh, a lady in her home loses a, a valuable coin, and so she turns the house upside down looking for it. Imagine that you were looking for your remote control. That's what it's like, okay? You're looking everywhere. Where did that thing go? And we got to find it. And uh, when she finally finds it, um, she rejoices and she tells her neighbors about it. She's like, hey, I found it. I found it. And you know, she wants to have a party uh, because she found what was valuable that had been lost. There's a difference in the two parables. In the first one, it was the sheep's fault, in the second one, somebody else is to blame that something was lost. Now, every person makes their own choices, but sometimes 
we can make it way easier for someone to end up lost. The church can be guilty of that. And I'm not talking about Highland Park, there's just the church throughout history. We never want to be guilty of that. Then there's a third parable called the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. And, and that's a whole other big parable about someone who rebels and walks away and comes back and the father accepts him with a hug and throws a party. And you remember the older brother is upset in that parable. Like, why would you just bring him back? Why would you show him grace? You know, what, what's the big deal? The older brother is oftentimes you and I who become so bitter about the rebellious and the prodigal and the lost that we've actually separated ourselves from God's heart who just desires that the lost be found. If we want to experience the greatest joy in heaven, we'll help rescue the lost. And if we want to experience the greatest joy on earth, we will help rescue the lost. Now, when you think about helping to rescue the lost... When, when you pray for someone and you, you talk to someone about the Lord and you invite someone to, to come read the Bible with you and to study with you, to come to church with you, and, and that person continues to reject you, it is not your fault. If, if you could control all of that, everything would just be fine in your life already, but you're not God. And even God chooses to not control that. God says, I will give you a choice. God places such a high mark on humanity and says, I respect you and love you so much that I'm going to give you the opportunity to wander away from me. It's your choice. God says, I'm after love. I'm not after robots just following me. I'm after love, relationship, intimacy, covenant, promise together. I want to be with you. That verse that Dave read is so powerful, Hebrews 12, 2. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That one phrase, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I can't get past that phrase. What? There was joy in the cross? How much joy does God have for Jesus to be able to endure the cross? It's a lot of joy so that you can be saved, so that I can be saved, so that lost people can be saved. So let's go looking for not yet believers. If you want to experience the greatest joy that heaven has to offer and that earth has to offer, go looking for not yet believers. Go looking for people. Go find them. Go spend time with them. Do whatever it takes. Cut stuff out of your busy family schedule. Uh, say no to something so you can say yes to something. Don't just be comfortable in your own little shell, but go be with people. One of the things that we have discussions here at Highland Park in leadership settings is we don't want to offer so many programs that the 99 just always hang out with each other. We really want you to be going to look for the one. We want you to have time to have people into your home. We want you to have time to, to say, hey, can we meet and have coffee and can, we, can, we, can, we pray, can I pray for you? Can I help you? We want you to be able to invest in the community and to coach a sports team and to help at the scouts or to do different things to somehow connect to lost people. We want you to be able to do that because we, we want to be have a heart that's like God's that says we care about lost people because God cares about lost people. 
Sometimes as members of a church, and I've said these things before, we say things like, man, I wish the church had more baptisms. But the question should be, am I baptizing more people? Sometimes we say, I wish the church had more Bible studies. The question is, am I inviting people to study the Bible with them? We say, I I wish the church did more to serve the poor. Am I serving the poor? Sometimes we always make it about, is the institution doing this big grand program thing? But the church in its very best not only has some program stuff, but people are released and, and doing God's work wherever they are, all over the place. The truth is that we could hamper you if everything that you did for Jesus always had to funnel through the church. Because we probably can't care for your neighbor real well today like you can or for your family member, or your friend. So we want you to be released where you can find lost people and care for them because the death of the church is when people quit caring about the one who is lost. When, when people in the church aren't caring for them and seeking them and doing everything they can to make disciples, the church is doomed because that's what it's always been about from the very, very beginning. I wanted to share uh, not only about God's joy, but something that's bringing Highland Park joy. So there's this story I've been wanting to tell you for a while. Today's a good day to tell you this great story. A few of you have heard parts and pieces of it, but it's just an important story for our church family. So probably about a year and a half ago almost, at least a year ago, over that, um, several people at Highland Park, some some of the elders, uh, uh, a lot of people from the 220 Food Pantry team, a few others, we just started having this common conversation that we're able to help lots of people in our community. We're able to feed lots of people. We've helped people with job applications. Uh, uh, we've helped people with emergency funds. We've done lots of different things like that to help people. But one thing that we have not been able to do is say, hey, we actually have a job plan for you uh, And we thought, man, that would be so cool for us to love our community, to actually have jobs that we could give people because we started our own business that could actually be self-sustaining and run and be like a warm place where people who have been out of the workforce could re-enter the workforce. And we could do all of that in the name of Jesus for them and disciple them and care for them and love them all around that. So that was kind of this discussion that we've been having. And then we started thinking like, you know, one thing that actually this area doesn't have is a coffee shop outside of Starbucks. And lots of people love like boutique coffee and different types of coffee. But if you're here, you have to drive to Cherry Street or Brookside or downtown to find it. And we thought, it seems like there's a market for that. We actually talked to people from Topeka Coffee and they said, you're absolutely right. We've done that demographic study and there's a hole right there. Uh, We think there's some possibility. You should keep pursuing that. We kept talking to people and we knew some people that might be interested and there were some people who said, yeah, I might be interested in doing this or that. We actually had some people said, I would actually quit what we're doing and move to Tulsa if you ever launched like a coffee shop like that. But I don't think I'm the person to be in charge of it. So we had lots of people like saying, like we're interested, but nobody saying like, I'll be the lead person. So there's not a lot you can do until you have somebody who's gonna lead this whole thing. So we just kept praying thinking about it, talking about it. So after a year has gone by, we actually have kind of several sheets of paper kind of written out of this little plan that's still kind of rough sketch, but it's a plan that's fairly informed at this point. And so Dave Dunson and I decide, let's just go to the people at Zaro. Zaro's a foundation that bought uh, the towers, the three buildings over here and the parking lot and all of this stuff. And then they 
leased it out to a whole bunch of nonprofits to come in there together. And so um, we said, let's just set up a, a meeting. So Dave and I set up a meeting, and um, it took them a while to get us in their door, but finally they did, and we met uh, with their executive director, super friendly, great guy, very friendly to the church, and we you know, just kind of shared that with him, and he said, that's a great plan. I actually think that's a good plan worth pursuing. Not something that Zara would probably be interested in. It's kind of outside our scope of stuff. But you should talk to the people from Mental Health Oklahoma, who's one of the main tenants in this East Tower over here, some people that we already know. They said, because I think I heard them talk about some copy stuff before. We're like, okay. So we leave that meeting. We're thinking like, okay, Lord, whatever you say, we're just kind of following along. We have no idea where this is going. So we set up a meeting with the people from Mental Health Oklahoma right over here. And we walk over there, and um, we have an 8 or 9 o'clock meeting. I can't remember. Um, there's three or four of them that show up, including their executive director, another lady from their uh, leadership team, and then um, a couple of others join there. And so we're just kind of chit-chatting back and forth. And uh, before we share our plan, uh, they say, well, let us share a few of the things that are going on here. And we're like, great. At that point, they go on to tell us a plan, and it sounds like they stole our paper and read it back to us. <laughs> it's like, we've been thinking. Like, we would love to create some employment opportunities for people in the neighborhood who have been out of employment for a while, and they are prime people to get back into the workforce, but they need a little extra help to get there, and so this is the place to do it. And we thought, hey, we, there's a coffee shop need in this area, so we're going to do it with the coffee shop. And by the way, Starbucks gave us a whole bunch of money to fund it, with no strings attached, imagine that. And so they were, they like had our plan, but they were light years in front of us and it was funded. And they said, oh, and it's gonna open in a week or two. So Dave and I, our jaws just dropped that whole time. We're like, like, is this a joke? Did you steal it? Are we on candid camera? What's the deal? And so they said, we, we, you know, we walked out of there thinking like, okay, Lord, like, We've never been in control of this thing, and we're not going to start now. We don't need to do our own thing. We need to support and partner with them and what they're doing. And so uh, we didn't know what all that would look like. Um, but I think I've had coffee there probably 10 times now, maybe nine, eight or nine. But every time I've walked in the door, something significant has happened. Like now I kind of go in with anticipation. The first time I walked in the door, uh, three people from their coffee team uh, like jumped up and ran and hugged me, and I was a little weirded out because I didn't know any of them very well. <laughs> and they were like, we can't believe you walked in the door. We were just talking about you. Like, literally, we just said, man, we need to talk to Brian about this. And then you opened the door and walked in. And, I, and I'm like, well, what is this? Um, and they're like, come sit down. And, we'll, and so I sat down, and they shared that uh, one of their employees um, has had just great tragedies in her life um, and lots of challenges, but God has been restoring her uh, through some incredible ways. And one of her dreams in life is to open a bakery, and she's employed by the coffee shop, and she would love to open this bakery, but she doesn't have a kitchen to cook. And they said, do you think she could use your church kitchen? And uh, instead of asking permission from anybody, I said, yeah. She can, but we'll need, to, we'll need to figure out some stuff. We'll need to figure out like any kind of legal things or uh, financial things or tax things just so everything's cool. And so um, anyway, that's worked out beautifully. If anybody knows how to get a kitchen up to code commercially, that's one of our next steps so that they can use it for more things. 
Uh, and right now, you can use it for some things, but not everything uh, with where it is. So seriously, if anybody knows anything about that, talk to us, because we, that's our next thing to tackle. But uh, what's happened is we've been able, Highland Park's been able to support what they're doing in a pretty significant way. And they can, have continued to say, hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? And we love that they're just so friendly to faith groups and churches. And uh, there's been some relationships formed just in the last few weeks that are really significant for the kingdom of God. And I can't wait for some people to maybe get to share their stories sometime when that time is right. And so if you're interested, it's in the East Tower right over here. And you have to actually go in like the conference center is what the, the sign is. And you can walk up and there's like a kiosk where you buy your, your coffee right there. Uh, during the weekdays, they're open like during business hours. And so uh, you can stop by there sometime and see it. I wanted to tell you that story because it seems like God is obviously doing some stuff. And there's a phrase that we use at Black Box International where I'm on the board helping boys rescued out of trafficking. Our executive director always uses this phrase. He says, it seems like God has been working upstream. So this idea of like, here we are, you know, you know, around in the stream looking for something and something floats our way and it's the perfect thing we need and we realize, oh, like God put that into motion weeks ago, months ago, years ago, decades ago. And uh, we've been kind of just piddling around here looking and suddenly it's like, wham, there it is right there. God's done something significant. And actually he did it a long time ago. We just didn't know about it. And what joy it is to pray and then to see how God has been working. You know, sometimes we don't always get that full glimpse of what's happening. And I don't think we have a full glimpse now. Uh, but uh, I would love you to keep praying for our relationship with Mental Health Oklahoma, which works not only with mental health issues, but homelessness issues and, and uh, so housing and job uh, employment and such, doing really good work. And they continue to come to Highland Park saying, hey, what would you all think about doing this? What would you think about doing this? What would you think about taking a little care basket to everyone who moves into one of our apartments? And I'm thinking, all of those things sound great. I haven't said yes to all of them, don't worry. Um, <laughs> but I'm about to. And maybe God's been putting it on your heart to take part in that. I, I tell you that story, one, because I want you to be on board and because you've been part of it, but two, to tell you that I believe the greatest joys in this world are when we get to help lost people be found, we get to be part of the, the work of the Holy Spirit that is oftentimes moving and winding and, and going around in places that we had no idea until suddenly it bumps into us from behind. And we can be thankful that we get to be part of what God is doing on this planet and in this city, in this church. So this morning... What I would like you to do here for just a few moments is just to have a quiet prayer time, just you and the Lord. If you want to pray with the person next to you out loud, that's fine too. But I would like you just to think about who's the one who's lost that I need to go looking for, that, that the good shepherd and I need to have a walk together. Who's one who's lost? And I want you to pray for that person and if you can't think of somebody right now, would you ask that God would put some people uh, on your mind that you would bump into this week, that they would serve you food for lunch, that you would find them at a store, that you would see them on a walk, and you would be looking at people thinking, is that the one? Is that the one? Is that the one? Is that the one? 
Is that the next one who's going to be found? So I want to give you some moments just to quietly pray and let God's Spirit give you some names and some thoughts about how you can look for the one. We want to invite you to pray every day this week that God would show you the one to walk after, that God would show you the one to keep praying for, to invite to your home, to drop things and go be with them, to let them experience the joy that only comes in Jesus. We want to pray with each other. We want you to let us know how we can help you and love you in that, support one another, because God loves the one who walked away and has yet to be found, yet to be found. When we read through scriptures, there's one other thing that jumps out that brings us joy, and that's obedience. And so if you're part of the 99 and you're thinking, like, I'm I'm okay, be obedient to go looking for the one. And if you're not part of the 99, if you're the one who today, when I'm talking about the sheep who wandered off, you're thinking about your own life right now, then God brings you joy when you come to him. He's looking for you. He has not given up on you. He's turning over rocks to try to find you, and he will walk a long, long ways. And he's walked even into death for you because he cares for you, the one. This morning, uh, I'm going to dismiss us in prayer here in just a few moments, and I'm going to ask a few people from our prayer team just to come up here at the front on both sides, and if, as others are dismissed, if you would like someone to pray for you because you need to be found, or if you would like someone to pray for you about a lost person in your life, um, we're getting dismissed just a few minutes early. Take, those, take that time, and some, some of us would love to just pray with you about the lost people in your life Um, And we've got some time to do that up here today. I also just wanted to share a quick reminder that 
if you're going to be part of the foster care, adoptive care uh, brainstorming meeting today, uh, that's going to be in room 114. We've moved it from connecting point to room 114. We have a great sign-up for that. So just go down to the kids' area and follow the hallway around, and you'll find us down in there. We'll be down there in just a few minutes uh, once we're dismissed here. If you would, would you stand and let me pray for us? And then please and come, come ask for prayer if we can pray with you. Lord, we, we say thank you for your goodness in our lives. We, we pray for the one that we're thinking about who's lost. Lord, would you uh, encourage us to go walking with you to find them? And Lord, I pray as a church family that, that we would be committed to finding the one, to finding the lost, to finding the not yet believers. And Lord, for those who are here today who have wandered away from you, I pray that in the next few moments, they would be found. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.